I am recording. I'm recording. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. All right, now hang on. I have to do one other thing. And welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Tanner, they, them. I'm Lindsay, she, her. And today, if my life had a face, it would be kicked in the balls. We are doing Scott Pilgrim versus the world? I guess. V- versus the universe? Versus the franchise? <laughs> what are we going to do? Turn him into Animal Man? Oh, oh, maybe. <laughs> oh, no. No, um, but this is... <laughs> I, I did not come in here with one Scott Pilgrim reboot idea. Oh, no. uh, I did not come in here with two Scott Pilgrim reboot ideas, so back out of here, uh, Mighty Ducks. I came in here with three Scott Pilgrim reboot ideas. Okay. And, well, and we can, we can kind of work with them interchangeably, because it's more about how best to adapt... I mean, okay, I am adding stuff into it that I feel needs to be added and should be addressed uh, just to make the story move a bit easier. Okay. But, like, for the most part, we're trying to figure out how how best does this adapt. Because here's the thing. So, uh, y- you've seen the movie, right? I'm guessing? Uh, actually, no. <gasps> I, J'accuse. The most I've seen of it is uh, Brie Larson's cover of Black Sheep by Metric. Uh, well, that is one of the most important parts. Mm-hmm. And that song slaps, both by Brie Larson and by Metric. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you read the graphic novels at all? Nope. Do you know the basic premise? Uh, Scott Pilgrim is a Toronto kid in a band who's dating this one girl who's a little bit underage. A but little bit. Mm. Okay, let's, let's <laughs> but do this right Ramona, now. who's like in his age group, but has like the seven evil exes that he has to defeat before he can date her? Yes. So, okay, right off the bat, let's talk about knives. No matter how we're doing this, we need to adjust knives. So, because yeah. it, it opens up, it, it's a very iconic opening where it starts out with a narration, Long ago, when the far-off land of Toronto, Canada, Scott Pilgrim was dating a high schooler. And then immediately cuts to his snarky best friend, Kim. Scott Pilgrim is dating a high schooler? How old are you, Scott? 27? I'm 22, Kim. How long has it been since you graduated high school, Scott? 13 years? So here's the thing. It's a very iconic opening, but the problem is that the high schooler that Scott Pilgrim is dating is 17 years old, and Scott Pilgrim himself is 22. This is illegal, and it's grooming. Yeah. And in the, like, in the past, people have said, hmm, that's a little sketch. And like even in the comics, it says, hmm, a little sketch. But, like... Seeing stuff unfold today, especially I'm I'm in the fandom for the Netflix show The Society, mm-hmm. where a few months ago we found out that one of the actors has been regularly grooming like 16, 17 year old girls in the fandom and mm-hmm. like using Instagram and stuff to send them lewds, which is terrifying and evil and wrong and illegal. And we're trying to get him fired off the show. And 
Yeah, the Scott Pilgrim, someone who I actually like as a character for the most part. I'm not. I'm. He, he's not. He's not going to be a child groomer. Yeah. So for right off the bat, we're adjusting some ages. Yeah. Knives Chow is no longer a high schooler. Knives Chow is now 19 years old. Maybe she just turned yeah. 19, but she's still 19 because I don't want to be the person who goes, "Oh, she's 18, so it's technically legal." Because no, that's still creepy. She's yeah. 19 years old. She is in university. That is how she and Scott know each other because they saw each other in passing at university, and then they can have the same like way of meeting that they did because I'm also going to age Scott up to like 23 or so because this the point there needs to be an age gap he needs to be still older yeah. than her without it being creepy, creepy as fuck yeah yeah but it can still be the same way they met of like knives dropped her books on the bus and Scott picked him up and then that that was it cuz that's also the point yeah. of that it was it wasn't even a meet cute it was just a meet yeah <laughs> The bus is one of the least romantic places out there, so... Yeah, yeah, and her mom was there, too. She was on the bus with her mom. Ugh. That's even... that's They reference it in the movie, because Ramona turns to Knives like, So how did you meet Scott? Well, I was on the bus with my mom. Is that the whole story? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yes, yes, it is. I mean, my parents met in a uh, a barn for the Brandon Fair. Everybody was showing cattle. But they're farm kids, so that actually makes sense. Yeah, yeah. My grandparents are also stinking fucking drunk because basically at these fairs, everybody day drinks. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. It would be weird if your parents met on the bus unless like they were both simultaneously trying to run away from home. Yeah. One set of my great grandparents met because she threw a tomato at him in the supermarket. <laughs> nice. She thought he was hot and she needed to get his attention. Yeet. <laughs> <laughs> Warning, winning, getting that tush. <laughs> <laughs> yup. <laughs> anyway, so um, we have dealt with the knives issue, and yeah, it is still like obviously they're not going to call her a high schooler because she's not in high school. She is a university student. She's like, yeah, based on time frame, she'd probably be just starting her second semester. Yeah, maybe, maybe even starting her second year. So she's still a baby. Yeah. She is a baby by um, in the comparison grizzled... to Scott. <laughs> yeah, in comparison to Scott. Also, like, hey, remember that one moment when we were on the bus going down to the university, and there was a bunch of clearly froshies right in front of us, and we were like in our final year of university, and oh, we're like, yeah, that was surreal. Yeah. Like looking yeah. at a funhouse mirror, <laughs> looking down just... on them, like it's adorable. You all still think you're straight, probably. Yeah. <laughs> And plus, like, once he hit 19, it, it's less skeevy for her to hang out with Scott's friends, because Scott's friends do already have other or friends around that age group, like Scott's sister Stacy is 19. Um, apparently, yeah. Brian Lee O'Malley, who created Scott Pilgrim, he said that if he had a chance to do it over again, he would actually take Stacy out, which, mm. I, on the one hand, I understand, because she doesn't actually add that much to the plot. She, like, disappears for most of the second half of the series. In the movie, she's only really well-remembered because it was one of Anna Kendrick's earliest roles that wasn't Twilight. Ah, okay. Um, but on the other hand, I like her, probably because she was played by Anna Kendrick. Yeah. Um, so Stacy can stay or she can go. It's I'm fine either way. Um, but there's also young Neil, who is like the unofficial groupie for the band <laughs> Sex bob And he's also yeah. Stephen Stills' roommate, so... Yeah. He, he can stay, and he's 20 years old. And then the character development is when Scott just refers to him as Neil. And there's a panel where he gets the full kawaii face and says, there's a caption that says, this is the greatest day of Neil's life. And, like, once you get out of high school, like, your friends group tends to be, like, 
cross age, sometimes cross generation. It, so. It's not right after you get to high school. You need to give it a year or two because yeah. it is like when you get into university or when you enter the workforce that that happens. Yeah. Um, because that's the other thing is that I kind of hate how in a lot of shows, like as soon as someone graduates high school, you're an adult now. You like the flip the switch and you, the adulthood has been activated. No, it is a yeah. gradual thing. It can happen faster to some people than others. Mm-hmm. But like, in Glee, as soon as everyone graduated, they basically started being treated as the ages of the air actors. It was like they aged a decade over that one summer. <laughs> so my three ideas for adapting Scott Pilgrim, essentially three mediums. Okay. So we have the, a movie, we have television, and we have the game. So let me do movie first because it's the easiest. Because yeah. the thing, part of the reason why I don't necessarily want to do a movie is because the, a movie that exists was so well made. Yeah. And like the big faults are just that it wasn't able to adapt the whole series faithfully, which makes sense because they only they started when it was only half written. Oh. So all they really knew was like the names and concepts of future exes. Um yeah. but like if actually I'm gonna say this right now, a YouTuber that we're both really big fans of, Dob Noble, he has a show called Lost in Adaptation where he did a whole series on Scott Pilgrim, the the series versus the movie. And even broke down what percentage of the movie is taken from each book. And, like, once you get to book four, it's only, like, 1%. And then the last two books are basically completely different from how they're adapted in the movie. Like... Yeah. So, in the movie, when Scott and Sex bob they have an amp versus amp battle between uh, X's number five and six, who are the Katayanagi twins, Kyle and Ken. Mm-hmm. And they don't even say anything in the movie. They just, like... DJ and summon holographic dragons to fight sex bombs yeti that's powered by rock and roll because this is a series <laughs> like by the way this is a series where it's basically uh like everything works on video game logic kind of yeah it's all references to a lot of 80s and 90s video games and music and stuff and when scott defeats one of the evil exes they exploit into coins canadian yeah. coins <laughs> <laughs> Um, and apparently they, they don't die. Brian Lee O'Malley has said that when someone is knocked out, they just respawn, uh, in their parents' house. <laughs> so yeah, basically Ready, Play- Ready Player One wishes it was Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's subtle. It's not beating your, your face over, it's not beating you over the head with their references to like nostalgic stuff. It wasn't yeah. even that nostalgic when the series started because the series started in 2003. Yeah. Yeah. Like if anything, it was pretty contemporary and like the music is... Yeah, fairly in line with what was popular in the early 2000s Canada. Yeah. And then when they adapted it to the movie, it just kind of shifted into stuff that still works today because, like, all the Sex Bob-omb tracks were done by Beck and um, Clash of Demon Head was represented by Metric. The, the Really, the only other band that was in there was Crash and the Boys, and I think they wrote their own stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They have a girl drummer, but the girl's a boy, too. <laughs> yeah, th- that's the other thing, is that the movie's soundtrack is extremely good, both the yeah. diegetic and non-diegetic. Hey, is Scott mm-hmm. Pilgrim a musical? A jukebox musical, maybe. But I wouldn't even say jukebox necessarily, because I know a good chunk of the songs were written for the movie. Okay. Hmm. I did also actually toy with the idea of making this a stage musical, but I feel like so much of the stylistic stuff that I'd want to include would be so hard to incorporate into theater that it's not almost not worth it. Yeah. Um, but hey, if you want to be a guest and explain how Scott Pilgrim could be adapted to stage, be our guest. 
literally. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, so with the movie, like the movie's biggest issue was that it couldn't adapt the stuff faithfully, and even if it could, then it would be like a five-hour movie. So yeah. Dom Noble, when he did his thing, he said that the best way to do it into film would be a trilogy, with each movie doing two books. Okay. Um, and like, understandably, the reason why they didn't do that is because if you just adapt the first two books into a movie and then it doesn't do very well, then everything else is left in limbo. And you get, yeah. like, a Golden Compass situation where you have to wait a decade before HBO decides to adapt you. Yeah. Um, although, when you think about it, that's kind of what's happening now, if, if our plans were to go into production. Yeah. The other problem I have with making the movie a trilogy is that there's not really... Enough story? No, there's or? definitely enough story. Um, I'm just thinking, maybe at the end of the fourth book, which would be the second movie, but like at the end of the beginning, there's not like a big climax to, to end on, a satisfying climax. Okay. Because it would be a, such a super chill and low-key movie if it just ended with the death of the second evil ex, Lucas Lee. Uh, that's the one that was played by Chris Evans. Ah, yes. Because there's no big <laughs> like relationship emotion thing happening. Yeah. Um, if you wanted, you could almost do the the first three books in one movie, and you could end it on Todd Ingram, the third evil ex. That's the one who was played by Brandon Ralph. Yeah. He's the evil ex who has psychic powers because he's vegan. <laughs> you could so you could end it on him because that's when like Scott is able to start getting over his issues with his ex Envy. And Ramona is able to get closer to Scott. Yeah. And, like, at the start of Volume 4 after that, that's when they're a lot tighter as a relationship. Okay. Um, or... Oh, actually, no. No, I know what it could be. Because, obviously, Scott breaks up with Knives when he starts dating Ramona. Yeah. Maybe the ending of the first movie is Knives swearing her revenge. Ah. Because that is a thing that happens both in the books and the movies. Because... <laughs> The one of my favorite scenes in the movie, because Stephen Stills, who's the the talent for Sex Bobomb, he's complaining that their band needs some stalkers. <laughs> and then as he moves out of frame, you just see knives behind the window, like pressed up against it, and then she sees Scott and Ramona cuddling and like comforting each other because uh, they have to open for Clash of Demon Hand, which is Envy's band and Envy is Scott's ex. Ah. So knives see this and they just like, it cuts to her horrified expression and then it goes to black. And then on the screen, you just see OMG. And then like starts cutting between like her storming into a CVS and like her in her bedroom, dyeing her hair and her friends is like, he's totally dating some badass hipster chick. Oh, I hate her so much. He's only likes her because she's old. She's probably like 24. <laughs> Oh, that made me feel old. <laughs> I'm gonna get him back. I just, when I saw him, I just knew that I had to fight for my Scott. Should this be burning this much? And their friend's like, I'm pretty sure you need to rinse. And so then, like, it cuts to her with her head under the faucet, and she's still screaming. Her friend's, like, sitting on the edge of the tub. I can't hear a thing you're saying. <laughs> and, like, she finally gets out, and, like, she has, like, half blue hair, and then half her natural hair, and, like, oh my god, I look so good. And then, like... <laughs> She does her little rant, and then it cuts over to, like, her meeting Ramona in the bathroom and, like, wearing the same outfit and everything. She's like, hey, oh. Ramona. Hey. Turns around. What the hell? <laughs> and then the ending of that is that's when Knives geeks out over Envy too much, and Envy orders Todd to punch her. Oh, no. And that's when he punched the highlights out of her hair. You punched the highlights out of her hair! 
Um, so, actually, yeah, Knives Wearing Revenge would be a good part to end the second movie. And then we can probably put some Volume 2 stuff into the beginning of the third movie. So yeah. the first half of that movie is Scott dealing with Todd. Because also, Scott and Todd and Ramona and Envy is just a whole thing. It's a lot more... It's more than just one Battle of the Bands vegan fight than in the film. In the novel, it, or in the graphic novel, it composes almost the whole thing. And they end up having a fight inside Honest Ed's, the <laughs> old uh, knickknack store that unfortunately has been demolished since the movie came out. Aww. But we'll rebuild it. We'll get the funding yeah. to rebuild Honest Ed's, which apparently if you stay inside too long, it makes you lose your mind. <laughs> okay. Ramona asks oh. what the deal is with Honest Ed's, and another one of Scott's friends, Julie, is there, and she's like, you know how when a baby is born, it just cries at the sheer horror of being alive? That's what it's like <laughs> when you go inside Honest Ed's. Oh, remember on Tumblr that one post about the one antique store that just seems to go on forever? Yeah, yeah. Or, oh, yeah. you know what? You know what? How we in, Instead of uh, putting it in Toronto, we can take it to Edmonton and we can go in the store that was the inspiration for the Gem Jammer antique store, Stuff. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of Volume 4, that's when Scott, another point where Scott and Pilgrim, or <laughs> Scott and Pilgrim, that's another point where Scott and Ramona get really close, and so that's, like, it would be after he defeats her uh, evil ex, Roxy, the one girl in the evil exes, which, that's another thing. In regards of adaptation, I would like to expand on the idea of Ramona being bisexual instead of it just being a phase. Yeah. Because it is exclusively what it's referred to. And heck, we could even have a bit of that, like, be part of her getting over her hang-ups of being queer. Yeah. Yeah. Just, oh, that's the other thing, is that put put the more the queer, the more the queer, the more the better. Yeah. <laughs> like, another thing is that uh, Stephen Stills from Sex Bob-omb, he's, uh, turns out to be gay by the end of the series. Um, even, <laughs> what, you find out in, like, the last few pages, and Scott's like, oh my gosh, you're gay, and Stephen's like, yeah, I came out in volume five, but I didn't tell you because it seemed like you were really busy. Like, he just straight up <laughs> says, yeah, it happened in the last volume. Nice. I didn't want to worry you because you were going through a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then Scott's like, so Julie made you gay? And Stephen stills face palms, and his boyfriend's like, you need to get better friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so a trilogy of movies could work. Um, but yeah, another thing you you mentioned is that there isn't necessarily enough to do a full... The second movie, if we did volume three and four, that would be pretty stuffed full. Um, but it does almost feel like there isn't necessarily enough at the beginning or at the end. Because mm. a big chunk of volume, the last two volumes are how like time just kind of starts flying by. Okay. And because like there's a whole montage at the beginning of five, it's just everyone keeps going to all these different parties and stuff and getting closer, or but simultaneously splitting apart. And it's kind of like, volume five essentially represents the end of the honeymoon period for Scott and Ramona's yeah. relationship. That they're kind of yeah. starting to settle into stuff, but it's not necessarily working because even though they've declared that they've figured out all, the, all their problems, they, they haven't. Yeah. And Scott is still a slacker and Ramona is still afraid of commitment. Not a good combo. Yeah. And then, yeah, a lot of that happens in Volume 6. Volume 6 is also a lot of introspection, too. So, like, it would work really well for, like, the third act breakup and then the finale of the film. It's just that yeah. I'm not sure it could work super well with everything preceding it. Yeah. So the second option is TV series. Yeah. 
TV series is the one that would make the most sense because you could easily do, I want to say, like, six episodes per volume. <laughs> this would definitely be either a miniseries or just a Netflix thing. Not, yeah. not a miniseries, um, because I would want it to be timed out. I want things to be spaced out. Okay. I think something that the original graphic novels had in their favor is that they were coming out annually, and there was a significant time skip between every volume, oh. except I think two and three. Okay. But even then, I'm pretty sure there's a time skip within three. Yeah. Um, so that kind of, you feel the same downtime that the characters are feeling. Yeah. Because it's not like the movie, the movie went had to do a lot of legwork in order to make the pacing work, but the pacing works extremely well in the movie. Yeah. But I like how in the graphic novels, you feel like things are just developing at a normal pace. It, and it makes yeah. sense that Scott... It like actually falls for Ramona and gets com like committed with her after a few of the exes instead of just immediately he's all in for it and he's willing to fight everyone over the course of essentially a week. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas the comic it it ends up spanning pretty much a whole year. Okay. Right from the start of one to the end of six. So a TV series could work, and yeah. much like the movie, I would feel. I'd be in remiss if I didn't incorporate a lot of shot-for-shot -shot stuff that Edgar Wright did in the film. And yeah. it could uh, give an opportunity to add more of the really fast whip paste editing. But mm -hmm. the other thing is that then it would mean that there's uh, the downtime. Maybe it would work at its advantage that if the downtime has less frenetic editing, then... It gives a lot more breathing space for, especially character development. Exactly. Um, the one hitch I see is music licensing. Well, again, okay, well, we'll get to licensing. But this could, very, again, be easily something that is you can write a lot of original music for it. Yeah. Plus, music licensing in TV shows isn't as big an issue as it used to be. Okay. Like, the big issue, the, the reason it was a big issue in the beginning of the 21st century is because that's when DVDs started getting big. Oh. And because they only had licenses for broadcast, they didn't have it for home video. Like, that's why Murphy Brown has only ever seen the first season released, because they had to go in and switch out all of these gospel tracks that they didn't have the licenses for, for just generic music. Oh. And it didn't sell well enough for them to justify putting it out again. Okay. And then the reboot happened, and the reboot wasn't successful enough for them to try again again. So, yeah, Murphy Brown is caught in limbo unless you have an aunt who recorded every single episode on VHS. But yeah, music licensing on TV isn't nearly an issue. Like, maybe they wouldn't necessarily be able to get the same songs. Yeah. But I don't think people would take issue with that necessarily. Okay. As long as it's the same idea. Yeah. The issue that I see with the TV show is now we've put it into an even longer form. And yeah. now we're leaving even... At, at that point, you almost need to start making stuff for the TV show. And I'm fine with that. Because there are a lot of characters in it that are kind of pushed to the side, but you see glimpses of them having their own arcs. And so if you yeah. were to do a TV show, it could very easily be more than just Scott Pilgrim. It could be the whole ensemble. Yeah. I was, uh, you mentioned formats like Netflix or HBO. They tend to go for like a smaller season package. So maybe it wouldn't be too much of a hurdle if we got like 10 episodes or you even said like six episodes yeah. per volume. I'm just thinking like the nature of what it is you kind of almost want to put an action set piece in every episode. Mm. And of course, that could be funny, just putting even more fights in that aren't necessarily related to the evil exes. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, the Battle of the Bands just turns into a straight-up battle. Yeah. <laughs> like, why not? In the comics, like, when the first evil ex shows up, 
uh, Kim and Steven on the sidelines, they're casually like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that this guy's trying to fight Scott. Doesn't he know that Scott's the best fighter in the province? <laughs> and it's like, okay, I guess we're rolling with this. But it'd be funny if we had a TV show and we could like establish that, like even if the only action set piece is at the beginning and Scott is like fighting to get his coffee or something and ends up <laughs> killing seven people or something. <laughs> well, this is a world that uses video game logic, so maybe it's a whole, like there's different types of fighters out there. I yeah. Uh, yeah, it's they they tend towards a more street fighter or even just River City Ransom kind of fighter. It's it's not it's not like extreme kung fu battle. It's just like we're beating the yeah. shit out of you with whatever we have. Yeah, it's the equivalent of bun mashing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, there are I mean there are some other fights that are unrelated to the X's in the comics. Um, off the top of my head, I know in one of the bonus issues they have to fight movie posters that came alive, which is implied to be the work of one of the X's, but we're not giving a hard answer. Um, huh. there's also in a flashback, we see Scott fighting to rescue Kim when they were in high school and he was dating her because she gets kidnapped by another school, air quotes, kidnapped. Oh. Um, and then also Scott has to fight Knives' dad. Oh. Because even, uh, it's after they broke up, but even then he found out that she was dating an older white boy and, quote, his brain broke and was replaced with an engine of fury and revenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that could be a thing that happens as well. Yeah. Um, and then I said air quotes kidnapped when, in regards to the Kim thing, because at the end we do find out, or we get a hint that potentially all the video game stuff really is just in Scott's head. Oh. And it's just his way of remembering things better because we find out that, oh, Scott didn't save Kim from being kidnapped. He wanted to date her. So he beat up the guy who want other guy who wanted to date her. And then they started dating. And they didn't really reckon with how messed up that was until they were in their 20s. I kind of like this being in a video game world, so... Oh yeah, like it's... Yeah. It very much a little of column A, a little of column B. Like it doesn't outright say, Scott, all the weirdness is inside your head. Okay. But it d definitely does show that Scott actively forgets things and remembers things in a better way than they happened. Mm. He also is an alcoholic. Okay. Yeah. It's, well... <laughs> He constantly is saying that he doesn't drink, and then we see him drinking, and then, like, he doesn't register anything that happens while he's drinking. Like, when mm. he first is dumped by Envy, he didn't realize that he had been dumped until someone told him, like, a week later. Okay. Like, that's the thing. I mean, there's also... Another reason he has memory issues is because he gets infected by a glowing virus made of depression that the seventh ex Gideon Gordon Graves used to create a pocket dimension inside Ramona's head and purse. See that part. Of, <laughs> the the finale the finale of Scott Pilgrim canonically does leave a little to be desired. Okay. Because yeah, basically, there's a thing through all the issues where whenever Ramona is faced with like a hard truth about herself or the exes, her head starts to glow. And it turns oh. out that, like, Gideon created the glow, and it causes you to be trapped inside your own head with all your demons. And then Ramona used it to access a, the subspace to become an Amazon delivery person. Um, yeah. Huh. And then Scott is able to use Ramona's subspace purse, like her, her bag of holding, to go inside Ramona's head and fight a giant Gideon who looks like Vegeta. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that part is weird. I do like other parts of the finale, how it takes place, it still takes place in the Chaos Theater like it does in the movie, 
Um, although in the movie it's just like Gideon flaunting his coolness over Scott and saying the Ramona will always choose him. Whereas in the books, it's Gideon. Uh, so Scott had broken up with Ramona and mm-hmm. a lot of stuff implies that she went back to Gideon. But when he finally meets Gideon, Gideon thinks that she's still with Scott. Oh. And so the whole thing is basically each of them think that Ramona's still with the other and they're fighting over oh, no. her even though she's currently just literally hiding in the woods in her dad's cabin. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> just because she 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 hates commitment and so she just yeah. her whole thing is she cha- she changes herself before the world can change her and so okay. she just felt herself getting too close and so she dipped at the end of 5. Okay. Um, but yeah, also Gideon then reveals that he has been, whenever a girl broke up with him, he put her in a cryogenic tube. Oh. Let me, let me find that part of it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so in the middle of the concert and the fight with Scott, and just after Ramona has come back, Gideon declares, ah, it's time to go back to plan A. And then this giant machine descends from the ceiling. <laughs> Are those your evil exes? Yes! The answer is no. You might say they're the ones who got away. They're cryogenically frozen, awaiting the future day when they'll all go out with me together. I love them. So I do like the fact that Gideon is just a megalomaniacal fucker. Yeah, that's a supervillain level just... I don't approve of the practice of putting all your exes in tubes, but I understand the concept. Yeah. <laughs> and all the exes are freed after Gideon's defeated, and they like you see them milling about. There's like after everyone just goes to the bar, you see one girl on her phone like, "Mom, calm down. I've been in a tube since 2003." <laughs> oh god. Um there's and of course there's also a scene because Envy ends up dating Gideon briefly so that she can perform at the Chaos Theater, but he like keeps rebuking her because he's still in love with Ramona. So like while she's singing and while he's fighting Scott, he gets disarmed, so he goes back on stage and he like g- grabs a part of Envy's dress and pulls and like chunks of it fall off and it's like Envy's dress changed, charm plus one, and then it pans over to Gideon. I built a sword into Envy's dress because of emergencies. That's just the kind of guy I am. <laughs> Oh, wow. So, yes, I like that Gideon. Although, I I also like Jason Schwartzman's Gideon in the movie, because he was an ass. Yeah. (laughs) One of the running gags in the last volume, it just, like, whenever Gideon does something absolutely terrible, there's just a caption, Gideon, what a dick. (laughs) And this refers to everything from, like, harassing Scott over the phone to literally murdering Ramona. Oh. Scott is able to bring her back because he gives her the power of love sword that he got in an earlier volume. The power of love is a sword. Cool. And it heals all your wounds. Awesome. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, for for the ending part, I want to get rid of the glow entirely. I think it really should be just Scott. I do understand the concept of Gideon getting inside of Ramona's head. Yeah. In the movie, that was like a mind control chip. Okay. And so I I like the idea of combining those. I like the idea of Scott... Like, Gideon says, I use the subspace highways that Ramona traverses in order to trap her inside her own head. And that's just, the, like, a one thing, not, like, some kind of weaponized clinical depression, which is essentially what he does in the thing. Yeah. Because everything in Scott Pilgrim is a metaphor, but it's also real. Yeah. It's also literal. <laughs> um, but, so I like the idea of him just sticking a microchip on her, because that's less complicated. And then I also like the idea of Scott going, like, using her bag of holding to get inside her head. 
and then he could literally fight Gideon and ends up being it's actually kind of like remember that episode of Teen Titans where Beast Boy and Cyborg get like stuck inside Raven's Mindscape oh yeah and all her personality fragments had to fight against the Trigon part yeah it's kind of like that except instead of Trigon it's Gideon and like it's just all the different variations of Ramona through her past and Scott is able to like he proves his worth and he's able to give her the motivation to help fight against Gideon as well. And so they beat him inside her head and then they beat him in real life. Cool. I think that covers the major stuff I'd want to happen in a TV show. So now we move on to the third concept I have, which was the video game. This is where licensing issues come back because ah. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, the game, is most famous for the fact that it was like, it came out in 2010, tied into the movie. And then yeah. four years later, it was delisted from all the stores it was available on. Because the license expired with Universal. Oh. So, because that's, like, Universal, or no, it, like, the game company licensed the property from Universal in order to make the game. And they didn't renew the license, which meant that the game had to be delisted. Oh. So, if you had already purchased a copy from it, like, a copy of the game from the store, you could re-download it. Yeah. Uh, but you, if you never did, then now you can't get it, just straight up. Yeah. It's similar to, like, Lego Lord of the Rings was taken off of the Nintendo Switch store. So if you already downloaded it, you're fine. But no one who didn't download it can get it. can't no access. And it's kind of like, this game became the poster boy for the issues with digital-only gaming. Yeah. Is that at any point, the creators can just say, not even the creators, the rights holders or the storefront yeah. can just say, you know what, we're not selling this anymore. And then it's gone forever. And it's trapped mm -hmm. in legal limbo. Yeah. Yeah, and... Um, electronic archiving is um, it's a thing yeah. and it's very complicated and you know what as as great as Nintendo is with a lot of stuff they are literally the worst offenders for removing and like threatening electronic archiving because all these mm -hmm. emulation sites that try and keep copies of old games that they're not producing anymore they're being shut down because Nintendo's like you're illegally distributing the game so, and they're yeah. like but we wouldn't do this if you continue to provide support for these old games, like yeah. we're trying to keep them alive. It's a matter of history. It's not a matter of money. We're not making money off of this. Yeah. So one of the biggest issues with digital archiving is like having the technology and keeping it updated. But even then there's going to be a point where the information is so degraded that you can't really use it anymore or it can't go past a certain level. Yeah. So, there's all that. If, if there's a lot of money behind it, and like it's such a brand new field too, because archivists are realizing, oh crap! Like on just like a pure government level, there's so much stuff on those floppy disks. That's oh no, kind of important, and yeah. nothing really reads that shit anymore. Nope. And electronic companies just across the board. This isn't even a Nintendo problem. This is everybody has this aversion to backwards compatibility. Yeah, except apparently <sighs> Microsoft? Yeah. Because the Xbox fridge is designed to run every Xbox game that's been made? I think uh, Microsoft is probably the only company that actually listens to their information management people and not just their information technology people. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I support doing, like, remakes and ports and stuff because at least then it yeah. keeps the 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 thing the game or whatever it is in a more current form so that if like and you know we do want to respect creator rights and all that but at the same time like i mean we're losing stuff, so much stuff delisting stuff yeah. and preventing people from being able to sell the game that's not necessarily uh, respecting the creator's rights yeah yeah that's actually very counterintuitive 
Yeah, like, I'm sure there are plenty of people in, like, a Game Freak or the Pokemon company that are totally, and maybe not management, but, like, the individuals yeah. who probably totally support, like, making all these archives and all these Pokemon ROM caps and stuff because it keeps the old information alive and the stuff that they can learn for them. But the corporate side of things, oh, my God, they're going to fucking light themselves on fire if they see another fucking emulator. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... Like, that's the the major thing people know about Scott Pilgrim. And, like, every few years, yeah. like, even as late as this year, because this year Scott Pilgrim was trending because they did the reunion script read-through to raise yeah. money for uh, COVID relief. Yeah. And because it was trending, like, Brian Real O'Malley, he said, like, for the umpteenth amount of time, yeah, I'm still trying to navigate stuff so we can get the rights back and Scott Pilgrim can be a game you can get again. Yeah. But I'm thinking, if you want to make a Scott Pilgrim game... I honestly feel like a video game might be the best way to adapt the comic, if you're going yeah. to adapt it at all. Yeah. Because with a video game, you have the same options of doing, like, the really cinematic, frenetic editing that the movies did. Yeah. But you can also incorporate a lot of fun video game stuff, like, well, the actual video game did. You can have all the fight scenes. Yeah. You get campaign and then multiplayer. Exactly. Video game didn't actually have multiplayer. <laughs> Okay, it was, this video game's gonna have multiplayer. It was, uh, the original video game was single-player campaign, and it was almost entirely just fighting. Like, you'd fight two yeah. goons, and then the, each boss battle would be one of the X's, or two of them, in the okay. case of the Katayanagi twins. Um, I think there was a bonus level where you have to fight Naga Scott. Okay. Oh, that's the other thing, is that Scott, uh, his, all of his darkest memories manifest as Naga Scott. And that's another thing, is just that, like bring Negascott in earlier because he does kind of come out of nowhere on the final volume and it's even worse in the movie. Ah. So have him be a recurring thing. Yeah. But yeah, the game has almost no story and also like the individual characters' endings are like completely at odds with a lot of comic stuff. Like if you win as Scott, he doesn't actually get back with Ramona. He yeah. ends up dating Knives, Kim, and Envy at the same time. I hate that. Yeah. Um, if you play as Ramona, then she does get together with Scott. So, like, Ramona defeating the evil exes is actually what gets you the closest thing to a canonical ending. Okay. Um, if you def beat the game as Steven, then the sex bomb just, like, gets a record deal. And if you beat it as Kim, then Kim ends up dating Knives? So, I guess what we should do is somehow integrate a side-scrolling beat-em-up with an Otome game. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. I want this to be... Here's the thing, I feel like a good Scott Pilgrim video game is seven simultaneous different genres. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's it's a visual novel, for the yeah. most part, yeah. but also a side-scrolling beat-em-up with platforming elements. But yeah. also it should be a rhythm game, in yeah. order to incorporate some of that stuff. Yeah. And there should also be RPG elements as well. Yeah. Because, like, when he gets the weapons or the outfits and stuff, it's like, ah, this stat plus one, da 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 Yeah, you can unlock music and all that yeah i mean it's understandable that the original scott pilgrim game wasn't a whole big thing because yeah. it was like it was a digital only online release game it was like 20 dollar game yeah it there was a good amount of stuff for what it was but like no more than you would expect i yeah. would say yeah so this game is more in what you're proposing is more in the 40 to 60 range yeah like this this is a, a fully fleshed out game physical release yeah um but here's here's why I want to get weird. Here's here's what I want to play with the concept of time. Oh, yeah, you don't play Animal Crossing. No. So one of the things that Animal Crossing New Horizons love it, um, but it was introduced a lot of people who are new to Animal Crossing to the mechanics of Animal Crossing. And one of the things is that the things are timed in real time. Okay. 
Which is to say that you you can't necessarily speed run New Horizons yeah. because there are things that specifically take two days or three days in the game. You have to you do them and then you wait. And so I was thinking, what if we incorporated some of that into Scott Pilgrim a little bit? Okay. In the sense that once you beat the first chapter, you are locked out of the rest of the game until, like, a month has passed. Yeah. Um, now, of course, if you start hacking it, fine, whatever. But that's not fun. That's not the point. Mm-hmm. The point is we want you to sit and you want to think on the psyche of Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> And if if that's too obtuse <laughs> and too painful, you could also just say, like, when you buy the game, you obviously you buy the full game, but it could be something like Final Fantasy VII, where it's episodic. Okay. But, like, with the, that it's intentionally. It's not because, like, things were delayed. It's like, we released this game with the intention that you beat the first level or first set of levels, and then we are not releasing it for the next month. Yeah. And then you can play. And because then it is... A year between all of that stuff matching the novels, that's kind of ridiculous. But yeah. if you space the entire plot of the game over a year, yeah. that makes sense at least. Yeah. And then you can fully appreciate all the different modes that you're going to get. Yes. In the intervening month, you and your friends can play Sex Bobomb Party Mode. Yeah. Because <laughs> of course we're going to have some Mario Party version of this. Absolutely, Scott Pilgrim. You know what? I would be fine with just a Scott Pilgrim themed party game, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be dope. Yeah. The other thing the game can do is that it can also have like side stories. It can have like interpol chapters yeah. between the volumes. Like, here's one where we see what Kim's been doing. Here's one where we see where Wallace has been doing. By the way, Wallace Wells, excellent. I love him. Um, we could. Oh, here's some of the things that like, we could have a bonus level talking about uh, Wallace Wells breaking up with other Scott because his boyfriend is other Scott at the beginning of the series, and by the end, it's a guy named Mobile, um, <laughs> who does insurance work on the astral plane and has psychic powers. Huh. At a certain point in the middle of the Scott Pilgrim series, things get really weird for no reason. Scott is like chatting to, with one of his friends, and this friend's casually says, "Yeah, I got this cursed ring from the future that foretells people's dooms." Oh, cool. Anyways. <laughs> This, it's never brought up again. This is like some, I don't know, rock version of the Invisibles. You ever heard of that comic series? I, I Grant think Morrison. I have one of them, it's but a I Grant Morrison yet. series. It's super weird. Grant, I mean, Grant Morrison also worked on Doom Patrol, which I'm a little bit more familiar with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Scott, Scott Pilgrim is kind of like a butt rock Doom Patrol. <laughs> nah, nah, Scott Pilgrim, from what I've seen of the soundtrack. Is classier than butt rock. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> I loved. I was trying to explain butt rock to one of my friends, and I was like, "It sounds the way a jeep looks." <laughs> Just think, Nickelback, but worse. <laughs> but also better. <laughs> worse in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, there's the other thing I wanted to change about the ending, and this is something that could be applied to all of the adaptation mediums mm-hmm. uh, because in the, the TV show and the movies, it gives more things to do. And the video game, it just makes more sense is that before Scott actually fights Gideon, there's a boss rush mode ah. where basically in the fiction of the universe, he would be going and he'd be seeking out all the old evil exes again. And maybe some of them he has to fight, but maybe some of them he just talks to. Yeah. Because another thing that's shown much more in the comics than in the movies is that most of the evil exes aren't actually that bad. Yeah. Like Lucas Lee, it was totally fine to just let Scott skip over fighting him until Scott was a dick, because Scott hadn't learned to not be a dick yet. Ah. Matthew Patel 
like Scott could give him a whole thing about how like he never really actually dated Ramona because they just they kissed once and then she left him. Yeah. And this was in like middle school. Yeah. Get over yourself. <laughs> um Scott, I don't know. Scott would probably have to fight Todd, but maybe also help Todd get over his daddy issues. Although Todd was just a dick, because in the comics, Todd was explicitly cheating. He cheated on Ramona with Envy, and then he cheated on Envy with the bassist, who's also a cyborg, but that's not important. Okay. Todd also punched the hole in the moon for Ramona and for Envy. Okay. And that is that is a plot point, because Envy's like, Todd only ever punched a hole in the moon for me, and Ramona's like, but there are two holes in the moon, because the first one was for me. And then he's like, Todd, you bastard! <laughs> you cheated on me with the moon? <laughs> no, that's not how it went. Um, Roxy, Ramona actually almost gets back together with Roxy. Okay. Because Scott is going through stuff. Like, volume four is an important character development one, because that's the volume where Scott, instead of just running headfirst into a fight, he tries to, like, actually think volume four is called... Whoops. Yeah, Volume 4 is actually called Scott Pilgrim Gets It Together, because that's the one where he, like, he tar- starts taking his relationship seriously, and he gets a job? Oh! And then, then he gets fired from the job, and then instead of running off to fight Knives' dad, he goes to fight for his job again. And okay. so, like, he just delays all the stuff you expect from the comic in order to be a better person. This whole series is about Scott and Ramona learning to be better people. Yeah. Um, and I think also the boss rush mode would be important symbolically, because a lot of people have interpreted Scott just beating the shit out of all of Ramona's exes as just, mm, you gotta solve your problems with violence, toxic, toxic masculinity. And I don't think that's a very deep reading of the series, but it's also, like, I understand where that comes from. Yeah. And I think the series would benefit, and the plot would benefit, actually, even I think Scott would benefit from, like, going through all the events of the series, again, from a better perspective, now that he understands how terrible he can be as a person, and what he needs to do to actually fix things, and how to properly fight for Ramona, instead of just throwing his fists at every problem. Yeah. And I feel like, if you play your cards right, you don't actually have to end up fighting any of the evil exes. Scott literally just talks stuff out with them, and maybe they're still assholes by the end, but like Scott understands why Ramona was attracted to them, and why things ended between them, and like how to make things work with Ramona now that he understands her better. Okay. So, and then that would end with the fight against Gideon, which, the, the Gideon, maybe we do incorporate some of the stuff from the video game, because the video game, first, you fight, like, a big buff version of Gideon, and then in the game, like, the second stage of it is when you go inside Ramona's head, but then you fight Gigadian, oh. who is, like, he looks like, uh, Tetsu, what's his name from Akira? Oh, uh, Tetsuo? Yeah, he looks like Tetsuo, because he's all, like, his muscles are messed up, and he's got, oh, like, huge yeah. arms and stuff, and then, yeah, like, right he, it pans yeah. down, and instead of, like, having a normal lower body, it's just, like, all the evil exes mashed together, screaming. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I nearly fainted while watching Akira, so, yeah. That is the correct response. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Great movie, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think... So, yeah, so in, in conclusion, age knives up, so that's less sketchy. Yeah. Still still sketchy, but an acceptable level of sketchy. Yeah. She can go to bars, um, legally. Y- yeah. Um, give opportunities to explore some of the other characters' things going on, whether it be through having an ensemble cast or just having side story, like, interquel episodes. Yeah. Uh, fix the ending with the glow, because that's overcomplicating things. Mm-hmm. And give a boss rush mode for closure. Yeah. And party mode. Yeah, party mode.
Um, that's that's it. I've I've defeated this the I've defeated the series. Awesome. I win! <laughs> Yay! Do, do, Money do. is raining from the sky. I totally forgot what that one musical thing from uh, Zelda was. You know when you get like the. Da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> I'm d- I'm just thinking of the the Final Fantasy victory theme with lyrics. Dead, you're dead, you're dead, cause we killed you, we took you by surprise. <laughs> um, alright, do you have anything you can think to add? Um, I think we covered all the bases, so... Yes. Yeah. Alright, in that case, as usual, we remind you to stay safe, whether it be due to being exposed to COVID-type stuff or being exposed to social justice-type stuff. Uh, remember to fight the power, defund the police, give your money to those who need it, and be queer. If, if you're not queer, you're not allowed to listen to our show anymore. Mm-mm. Figure yourself out, then you can start downloading again. Um, we gotta throw the straight, straight some sort of bone. <laughs> no, they just have nothing. Now they get our early episodes where we're still trying to figure shit out. <laughs> yeah. Alright. And in that case, we will now go over to a friendship promo. Are you ready for Super Idols RPG? Super Idols. A rotating cast of today's hottest up-and-coming tabletop players in one all-new, power-packed podcast. Super Idols. Move into a new dimension with the year's biggest pop music-themed, magical girl-inspired masks campaign. Super Idols. Now you can have all your favorite nerdy roleplay in a funny, sincere, diverse, character-driven package. Super Idols. Meet soon-to-be chart-topping idols like Violence Violet, Bane Raven, Symphoria, Elementum, Queen Bee, Warcry, and Karen. Karen. Super Idols RPG, the internet's premier narrative play podcast about superpowered teen idols. Call the number on your screen now to order Super Idols RPG on CD or cassette, or stream it wherever podcasts are sold. Must be 13 years or older to listen because we do sometimes say please do not actually try to order a CD or cassette from us. That's just part of the parody. Please send a self-addressed stamped envelope to yourself because you deserve something nice in the mail today. And seriously. Come listen to Super Idols RPG. It's pretty cool, and it's a fun show, and we think you'll like it. Visit superidolsrpg.castos.com for more details. Trying to think, is there like a good Scott Pilgrim segue? I don't think so. I can't think of anything right now. A lot of the Scott Pilgrim quotes were fresh in my mind, like when I watched Dom's videos on the first three and then end up rereading the last three books. And you don't want to hear me try to sing Black Sheep, so yeah. Yeah, uh, you could you can just start doing the oh yeah as I give all of our like contact information. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did remember another thing uh, in the comic when Roxy. So when Roxy's defeated in the comic, she explodes into bunnies and kittens. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, that she's the only girl and she does that. So maybe just let her be money. Yeah. Um, she does explode into money in the movie, but she does so after dying from orgasm. Oh. Which, again, it it has some kind of connotation. I don't know what kind of connotation, but it's a connotation, for sure. Well, the French do call orgasms uh, le petit mort, so... Oh, maybe. Yeah. I will say Mae Whitman can probably do a better acting orgasm than I can. That's, yeah. Probably better than me, too. Yeah. See, that's the other trouble with adapting Scott Pilgrim, either making a new movie or making it into a TV show, is that the cast was so perfect, too. Yeah! Like, even, like... (laughs) 
acting, acting aside, even because well, acting was great, but even if you take out the acting visually, they look so good, yeah. like in comparison to their comic book people. And then, like, I don't envy Scott having to refight the that particular cast. Yeah, <laughs> you know, did you know? Did you know Michael Sarah did all his own stunts? Really? Yeah. Cool. Good on him. Like, but potentially because there's no bastard lanky enough to stand in for him. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, viewers, but I'm pretty sure he did almost all his own stunts. And I know that he learned enough fighting that he's now a black belt. Nice. <laughs> maybe, maybe Michael Sarah comes back as Gideon. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, maybe Scott can take on Steve Rogers and Carol Danvers. <laughs> And Huntress. He never, he never actually had to fight Envy. Okay. Um, it was Envy fighting Ramona. Oh, yeah. If you watch the movie, actually, a lot of the Ramona and Scott versus Roxy fight is actually taken from the Ramona and Scott versus Envy fight in the comics. Ah. And then also Knives is also involved in that fight. Because huh. she's trying to defend Scott's honor. <laughs> Takes poor Knives five whole issues for her to realize that Scott was cheating on her with Ramona and vice versa. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Lindsay, where can people find you on the internet if they want to fight your exes? <laughs> My... <laughs> no. Oh, we're not going to go into that. Um... That's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I'm fucking cursed. Um... <laughs> Uh, I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Boot You First, and they're pronounced so sad. <laughs> you can also email us at notifireboutyourfirst at gmail.com. You can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or your evil exes. You could even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea because we like being surprised. Or you could also send us a friendship promo, and whatever you want us to promo, it can either be an audio clip you send us, or just a proof that you have us read out loud. We'll do it for free, because it's great. Yeah. And, if you do want to support us, you can raise it. Yeah. If you want to support us, you can rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me, and I'll try and get us in there. Not if I reboot you first, as a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can find out more about the other awesome shows we share the network with at CornerPodNet on Twitter. And last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex A.K.A. Pachu, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us how to find out how to contact him if you'd like music of his own for your own. All right, Lindsay. Tanner. Do you have a hint for next week? Well... Next week, the uh, Power of Three will set you free. Oh my god! Don't worry, we're not going to go too deep into the lore. They were fucking that up after, like, episode five anyway. Lindsay, how could you do this to me? Why? (laughs) I'm human, and I deserve to be loved. (laughs) Okay. We'll... It's happening next week. Look, I gotta get it out of my fucking system, okay? You know what? That's fair. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> I very much understand that. Uh, so we'll we'll get that out of your system next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye. Criminy.